If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is known as a high performance and leadership coach. Vanya Lazarova is a professional coach and the founder of Live Authentic Coaching. Based in New York City, she partners with the driven, the overachievers, and the hungry entrepreneurs and founders who aren't afraid to be authentic, free, and creative. She helps her clients take the right consistent action towards achieving their business and personal goals by optimizing their performance and leadership skills. Prior to her coach certification, she graduated from Sofia University, the oldest university in Bulgaria, where she began her journey to study the human experience and the powerful role of mindset in changing behavior and achieving success. Her entrepreneurial nature and innate drive for personal and professional growth balanced with a deep connection to purpose, have led her to work with ambitious leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders. Wow, what a pleasure it is to invite you and welcome you to the show, Vanya. Thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Thank you so much, Susan, and that was a lovely intro. I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'm excited. Vanya. You work with people who are driven and hungry for success, but do you ever find there comes a point when they're challenged by, let's say, feeling inadequate, maybe a fraud, or even an imposter? You know what? Absolutely. And a lot of my clients are challenged with this same issue just because I feel when you have big ambitions, that means that you're going to put yourself out of your comfort zone a lot and you're going to try different things to achieve what you want to achieve. And throughout this journey, that same challenge you mentioned just comes up along the way quite too often. And this is one of the biggest topics that I think just prevents us in general for all of us, not only my clients, but I think, you know, for every one of us struggles with the same thing. And it just really prevents us to play big in life, to actually go and achieve more and bigger things. Yeah, I I would say there is definitely a challenge there. That begs the question, there's that little voice inside our head, that critic that can drive us crazy. Talk to us about that. You know, what exactly is this inner critic and perhaps where did it come from? Right, right. That's a great question. I like how you said that the little voice and we all have it, right? And everybody has it. The big CEOs that we see on TV, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, creatives, every single one of us actually has that voice, but we're not really aware of it. Because we feel that it is such a part of us that we can't really put ourselves outside to actually pay attention to that voice. And a lot of the times, this voice is negative. It plays these negative messages. 
In coaching, we call that voice our inner critic, as you mentioned, or we call it our gremlin sometimes, <laughs> just because it's always trying to sabotage. And it is that voice of self-doubt that really cripples in and prevents us to take risks and play bigger. Every time before we, for example, want to do something significant in our life, let's say publish a book or, for example, get a new job, quit our career and maybe start a new business or anything that really has a lot of challenge for us, something that is new, something that is really outside of our comfort zone that we actually have to go and try to do. So this is when you really feel and you can hear that self-doubt crippling in. And the key is to really recognizing the messages so that you can start being able to manage it. As I said, really, that monologue is negative. It's usually around, I'm not good enough, or this is not a perfect product. I can put it out there. And they're really negative messages that really cripple in whenever we're trying to do something bigger, as I said. Most of the time, it's just really about fear, right? It's really fear-driven and fear-based. So I think that voice just comes up and it's fear-based before we try to do something outside of our comfort zone, just put it in like a short explanation like that. Then it begs the question, how do we handle it? How do we, let's say, get to know this critic and not listen to it necessarily, because I'm sure that if we did listen to it, it could paralyze us. Absolutely. And then you actually asked me another question earlier, was just really, where is it coming from? And this is really important to recognize that the inner critic is actually formed through our experiences. It is a product of our beliefs, of our thoughts, of how we were raised, perhaps from religion or society or our cultural norms. When we think about that, there's certain things and certain beliefs that we grew up with and they kind of got stuck with us. And until today, we're still operating with these deeply ingrained beliefs. Most of the time, the inner critic was created, let's say, for example, in school, kids were making fun of something that you did and then you got really embarrassed and you decided that you didn't want to be embarrassed anymore then the inner critic was formed then to actually protect you from embarrassment in the future. So really the inner critic is part of our ego that is trying to protect us from embarrassment, from judgment, from, for example, rejection, all these different things that we may have experienced in the past. And today when we're faced in a situation that might be similar or a situation that might provoke some type of embarrassment, we just stop ourselves and we do not want to go there because we don't want to experience the same thing anymore. And really is a part of our ego and the protective system is pretty powerful and it's really part of our, also our caveman brain almost because it just really operates on that fear. Whenever fear kicks in, we just get paralyzed, as you said. We don't want to go out there and expose ourselves and perhaps people will make fun of us or perhaps people will not accept us for who we are or they won't accept our ideas or our businesses or our products that we're offering, let's say if you're in business. Really, it comes from there and it comes from your family perhaps was not really supportive in some way 
or in many cases, what happens with especially high achievers and people who are really out there to chase goals, what happens is that they, for example, had a family and everybody from their family was really hard on them, right? Pushing them to achieve better grades or pushing them to be perfect. And that sense of perfection is what really holds us back when we grow up and when we try to do things and we're always thinking that they're not perfect and they're not good enough and we need to work harder for that. So that just translates in, into our adult experience as well in that way and really prevent most of us from taking risks and from trying to play bigger because we feel that we're not ready or it's not good enough because it wasn't good enough for our family when we were growing up. And that's just one of the examples. But really, when you're a person who is trying to do things in the world, and especially for entrepreneurs and people who are starting their own businesses, they're just entering in something completely new for them, something that is outside of their comfort zone for sure. And they have to face situations that are very challenging pitching their idea, for example. What if I get so many closed doors in front of me? What if people say no to me? This is going to be rejection. I'm going to have to feel that rejection and feel that embarrassment maybe. And that's why some of us don't develop the courage and never develop the courage to actually go about these things and learn how to manage the inner critic. And I definitely want to give you a few steps to how to do that and we'll get there. But the first thing that I think is important to understand is that everyone, first, everyone is struggling with the same negative messages. And then the second thing is really important is that this inner critic is really not who we are. It's not us. It's only a part of us. And once you understand how you developed it, and if you go back in the past and think about you know certain belief systems or certain ideas that you have about yourself, because as I said, it's part of the ego. It was just really a self-constructed concept. And it really kind of informs us who we are and how we are and how we show up in the world. Thinking about that and knowing that this is not us, but just a created part of us to protect us, we're able to disconnect and perhaps just pull ourselves out of it and become the observer. Just as our body is not us, right? We're not our body. I can go to the gym and lose weight or I can eat a feast every weekend <laughs> and gain a lot of weight. So I can control my body. I'm not my body, but I can observe it and I can control it through diet, through exercise, through different nutrition and different styles of eating. But the same exact way goes for our mind and for our inner critic. We can still be the observer of our mind and we can learn how to shape that part of ourselves too, because we are the observer of these things, if that makes sense. It certainly does make sense. And I know I'm eager, and I'm sure our listeners are eager to learn some of these steps to handling that inner critic, recognizing it, obviously, and then how do we handle it? Absolutely. The inner critic has a lot to do with self-doubt, right? Whenever the inner critic kicks in, is just to inform us that we shouldn't be going to do this, we shouldn't be taking on this risk, or we shouldn't be starting a business out of nowhere. And it just it really shows up as a self-doubt. It tells us that we don't have enough. And this is the uh, first step to recognize that this is actually an inner critic voice, not anything else. Because when we hear a message that is not good enough, for example, 
my product is not good enough for the market yet. Or for example, I'm not skinny enough, tall enough, pretty enough, smart enough. I don't have enough uh, education or experience or everything that really goes with not enough. This is an inner critic message. And this is how you can recognize that this is that part of yourself that is speaking right now. And then it will show us a self-doubt. And then I think the first step people need to recognize is that everybody has self-doubt. And even the most confident people also have doubts. The idea is to really learn how to work with these doubts and use them as a tool rather than have them stop us from achieving bigger things. Real confidence is really when you know you have doubts, but you know how to use them for your progress. And confidence is really a big topic because whenever people start dealing with the self-critic or the inner critic, they constantly think that they're not confident and they need to improve their confidence. But confidence is just really knowing that you can figure it out. That's all you need to know. You All you need to know is that you should be confident or you should strive to be confident in knowing that no matter what comes your way, you're able to figure it out. And this is real confidence. It's just trusting in yourself. So this is something that I wanted to put out as a note because a lot of people think that if they have that inner critic and self-doubt, that means that they're not confident, but they're not mutually exclusive. You know, they kind of go together, the self-doubt and the confidence because confidence builds as you're just moving through that self-doubt, right? But the first step I want to share with the audience is that awareness is going to be your biggest tool to manage the inner critic. So you first need to bring it to the surface and identify the messages that it's telling you and simply notice when it shows up, simply noticing. So you have to be really aware of that inner chatter, that inner monologue that you have. So every time that you're facing a situation that is challenging, you can just pay attention to what is this voice telling you? Is it telling you that you don't have enough of what to achieve what? This is the pattern, right? I don't have enough of X to get X. Think and listen and just notice and recognize that message so you can go back and see different situations that trigger that type of a message. And also here, it's important to know that back when the critic was created was obviously a long time ago, right? When we were children or maybe in college or maybe we got a a relationship that just really affected us in an emotional level. And then we created something like an inner critic that we're, let's say, for example, we'll never be able to find anyone else or whatever the message is. But knowing that actually was created back in the days, you can think now many years have passed already. You've gained so much more experience. You have more knowledge, more skills. So that same protective mechanism doesn't need to protect you anymore. And I think this is interesting because if we're not aware of that, it will be really difficult to manage that inner critic. So just be aware that whatever is it trying to protect you, you may not need that protection anymore because that's the purpose of the critic, right? So let's say if you had, I don't want to be embarrassed inner critic. That was really created when you faced embarrassment. And now... Perhaps you have a lot more experience in the same field that you're trying to take some risk in, and then you don't need that protection anymore. So this is a good first step to really recognize these messages. That awareness is so important. And 
it's really comforting to know that we're not alone here because uh-huh. I think that's something that we think is that we're the only one who feels this way and you can't even imagine that somebody successful would ever feel that way. But I believe that isn't the case because you're working with overachievers and people who want to get ahead and they have the same doubts. Absolutely. And people who are already in very high positions, who have achieved so much, they struggle with the same thing. And they have that imposter syndrome as well. They will constantly feel that they don't deserve it or... They believe that it was just a a complete luck that they got, you know, this position or this, you know, they've built their business to such a great level that right now they feel like, oh, it was just lucky. I, I don't know what I did. I didn't have a strategy. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. And they're really disassociating from their accomplishments in that way. And that's the imposter syndrome. And that's um, very similar to the inner critic. It's a little different, but you're right. It's so important to know that we're not alone and we truly are not alone. And that goes for everyone. As I said, big, big CEOs, business owners, also celebrities. You think that they're so confident and, you know, they go out and, uh, and play in the movies and everybody sees them, but they also struggle with the same thing. If you're, for example, a comedian, you may have, oh, I'm not funny enough, right? You may have that message. You know, it's always something around what you're doing. It's always something around a perceived lack because this inner critic is just trying to convince you that you're lacking so that you don't go out there and take these big risks or big challenges where you can embarrass yourself or expose yourself or something like that. It was amazing when I first came across that whole concept of the imposter syndrome because so many times I thought, you know, I am an imposter. I am a fraud at this. I read the book, The Imposter Syndrome, and I was like, oh my, this really is for real. Uh I'm not the only one out there. So yes, it's very comforting to know that and to know, as you rightly said, that there are celebrities. And I was watching something recording, I think on Inc. Magazine, the lady who discovered Spanx. Uh-huh. And she has had this and or still has it. I think yeah. it's but you learn how to handle it, as you rightly say. If you're aware of it, you know how you can actually handle it when it does come up. <laughs> its ugly face rears in your face and you're like, ah, go away. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember from my own experience when I started my business and I was doing my own PR. So I was writing articles and I was pitching them to all these different magazines and online publications. And my inner critic was just really kicking in then. And it was saying things like, oh, well, you're not an author. Like you're not a writer. Who are you to write articles? You're a coach. You do different type of work. You shouldn't be doing this. Or he would say things like, oh, well, English is not even your first language. Come on, you're writing for magazines? <laughs> this is a joke, right? All these different things. And then I think the key to overcome that is to just keep trying and think about what is the truth in the situation? Yes, maybe English is really, truly my second language, but I can still try and I can still do. And as I'm doing in this process of just trying again and again to pitch to everybody and getting all these closed doors... As I'm going through the process, my writing gets better because I keep trying and trying. So my skills have actually developed to the point that right now, 
I'm pitching and I'm getting published. And all of my articles got published. So I just had to develop the courage to actually hit send on all of my articles before, you know, the critic kicks in and says, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, really, is when you're doubting, you should just really try to think about these questions. What am I afraid of? What is this inner critic protecting me from right now? So in my case was, well, you're going to be rejected. People will not get your articles. They, like No one would want to read them, right? So my gremlin was protecting me or my inner critic was protecting me from being rejected. I didn't want to be rejected. This is how it was stopping me from hitting send on my articles. But then the second thing to ask yourself whenever you're in a situation like this is, what is the worst that can happen? What would be the worst thing? Well, I get rejected. Okay. Then I move on to the next magazine. I try again. Well, I get rejected again. And you know, it's not when you start doing it and you actually face that rejection, you just start not taking it that personally, right? Because also when you know that this inner critic is not you, and then you can only overcome it if you know that, if you understand the messages, if you're aware, and if you still try, although you have the self-doubt, you just build that confidence that you can figure it out. And the confidence is this, okay, I'm going to be rejected many times until I get it right. And then I'll get it right. I will figure it out. And then you get it right and you figure it out because this is what really happens in the end. And then they will accept whatever I'm giving out, right? And this is what happened in my case. But I've worked with many people and I've worked with this girl and she was a yoga teacher and she was a fabulous yoga teacher. And she really loved yoga and she was committed to the practice and everything. And she was always actually afraid to charge a decent price for her classes just because she wasn't feeling a good enough of a teacher unless she get more certifications, more trainings and more development in her yoga practice. And she never really charged a normal price. And now she ended up actually working for the yoga school. She did all the trainings and then nothing wrong with that. Like she has a good job. She's doing yoga. She's doing what she loves, but she actually let that inner critic constantly convince her that she's not a good enough teacher to charge $30 for a class, for example, or whatever the price, like here in New York city is $30. I don't know, you know, in different places, but see how that can affect you is exactly stopping you from actually reaching out and getting what you deserve. I think that is so critical is the fact of not or being frightened to actually ask for what Mm -hmm. you really deserve. And you're absolutely right that this is what holds people back and that they want more certification. They think they have to go back to school I've got a colleague here who has got 30 years of experience, but she didn't have an MBA. And she said, oh, I can't get a job on this. I've got an MBA. Now she spent two years getting an MBA. I don't know at the end of the day whether that's really going to get her you know, a better job, but she felt she needed that. And at the end of the day, too, it's really the experience. And if you're street smart, you've got so much more experience than getting another degree. Vanya, I know that our listeners are probably chomping at the bit to find out how they can find out more about your services, your coaching. Tell us more. Yes. So if you wanted to get in touch with me, you can always visit my website, which is liveauthentic.net. 
Again, that's liveauthentic.net. And then you can find me with the same handle on Instagram, on Facebook, you know, on LinkedIn, every social media that's out there, I'm there. (laughs) Feel free to reach out. Feel free to send me a message. I read all of my messages on every platform, so I'd be happy to hear from you. And I think this was a great topic, and thank you so much for having me here. And I really hope that people will start recognizing and people will start putting these messages out in the light (laughs) so they can really get into the mindset of resourcefulness and the mindset of courage. And you can just still do it no matter what. And you don't necessarily need that MBA. But again, as you said, if you're street smart and if you're resourceful and courageous to not be afraid to get over that fear of rejection or embarrassment, a lot more can happen for you in your life and business, of course. That's fantastic. And that's a great golden nugget to leave with. Vanya, I appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book-selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. Hi, it's Susan again with some marketing tips. Do you ever wonder how much marketing is enough? The answer, whether you like it or not, is never. You need to be marketing every day, doing something small. It's all about getting into the habit of doing something, having a goal for the week and then breaking it down into smaller pieces so it feels more manageable. The trouble many authors experience is seeing marketing as one humongous task, which they have no idea how to tackle. They believe they need to do it all at once. It's like going from zero to 60 in one fell swoop. Instead, you need to get into the car, turn on the ignition, these days with or without a key put the car in gear, and then start on your journey. Obviously, it helps knowing where you want that journey to take you. It might be just to the supermarket a few miles down the road, or it might be a longer drive to another destination several hours away. Either way, you negotiate small steps to gear up the momentum for your journey. It takes many different tools to market your book and your products and services, not just one. Each tool performs a different function and gives you a different result. However, you need many different tools, including your own labor to build whatever it is that you want to build. Whether you're marketing a book and or your expertise, it all takes time, energy, and money and many different tools to help gain that momentum. First to get noticed in the marketplace, and then to build on that exposure. Lots to think about till we meet next time. 
keep exercising your marketing muscles. <laughs>